This episode was made possible by the generous support of listeners like you. For more information, please visit patreon.com slash author Chris Lester. I strive to make this podcast a safe and inclusive place for my listeners. If I've missed any content warnings, please let me know. Content warnings for this episode include strong language and mature themes. You're listening to The Raven and the Writing Desk, the weekly podcast about the writings of Chris Lester and Liminal Corvid Press. This is episode 336. Hello, everyone. Welcome to The Raven and the Writing Desk. I'm your host, Chris Lester. You can learn more about me and my work at chrislester.org and metamorecity.com. This is the show where I share my fiction with you, fresh off the writing desk. I'll also tell you what's new with my life and my writing. More on that later in the show. But first, here is this week's story. Today I'm bringing you Chapter 1 of Honor Tested by L.C. Williams. This is the second book in the House of Bellevue series. If you haven't listened to the first book, Honor Bound, you can find it for sale now on Amazon and Audible, or you can listen to it beginning in episode 318 of this podcast. The following recap will contain spoilers. In Book 1, we were introduced to our two protagonists, Honor Hinbelview, the daughter of a country baron, and Natasha Volkova, an ex-soldier from the distant land of Yesherod. These two women come from very different worlds, but a twist of fate threw them together on the night of the debutante's ball, when Honor was welcomed into the peerage as an adult woman. Natasha was working as a guard at the event, but after she and Honor shared a brief but torrid liaison in Natasha's quarters, she was fired for being too great a liability. Commoners aren't supposed to get involved sexually with noble ladies, though this is a blatant double standard, considering the antics some noblemen get up to with the hired help. When Honor found out that Natasha had been sacked, she offered to let the big woman stay at the House Bellevue Apartments as her guest. Having access to their showers and laundry staff would be a big advantage for her in the job hunt. Plus, Honor and Natasha could continue their explorations from the previous night. Natasha soon introduced Honor to the world of power exchange, and showed Honor how this role-playing could bring its own kind of pleasure. Honor slipped all too easily into the role of the adoring submissive, while Natasha took on the part of the powerful and commanding dominant. Their play opened up a whole new world to Honor, and she wanted more of it. But fate was not done throwing twists at our heroines. That night, Lord Bellevue held a dinner for a bunch of his society friends, nearly all of them retired military officers of one stripe or another. He introduced them to noble Alex Hintownsend, a charismatic androgyne whom Honor befriended at the ball. Alex was campaigning for a veterans' aid bill that was about to come before the Council of Peers, to help the millions of veterans who were coming home after the recent World War. But Alex had another reason for coming to House Bellevue. They had taken a shine to young Honor, and now they intended to initiate a courtship with her. Natasha quickly grew to like Alex over the course of the evening, and could not blame Honor for reciprocating their obvious interest in her. 
She told herself that it was for the best if she and Honor ended their affair now. Alex is clearly better suited to be Honor's spouse, and breaking things off will only get harder if they let themselves get more attached. But no sooner had Natasha come to terms with this than Lord Bellevue pulled her aside for a private conversation. To Natasha's amazement, Bellevue offered her a job, as Honor's bodyguard, disguised as a lady's companion. Even more amazing, Bellevue seemed to have picked up on the spark of attraction between the two women, and encouraged Natasha to pursue it. A relationship with her companion could teach Honor things she needs to learn about herself and her own desires. Bellevue hopes to avoid the mistake that he made with Honor's mother, who married young and became trapped in a life that could not fulfill her. In the end, Sylvia gained her freedom, but nearly destroyed House Bellevue in the process. Lord Bellevue wants a better future for his daughter. Unfortunately, Honor has absorbed so many toxic ideas about her mother from the society around them that Bellevue feels he has to act in secret, arranging for his daughter's happiness without letting her know how much he knows about her. He urged Natasha not to tell Honor that they had discussed her sexual orientation, or the possibility of a relationship between the two of them. Nor should Natasha tell anyone else that she and Honor are so entwined. Honor, for her part, was resistant at first to the idea of making Natasha a lady's companion. The ex-soldier comes from a poor mountain village in a distant country, and dropping her into the middle of Metamore's high society seems like a recipe for disaster, especially since Honor has learned that Natasha is really quite shy. And Honor was downright affronted when she realized that Father was hiring Natasha to be her personal bodyguard, something that most noblewomen do not have. But Father pleaded with her to be patient with an old man's fears, and to let him do this one thing to ensure her safety in a large and often dangerous city. Honor relented, knowing that Natasha's presence would open doors for her that would otherwise remain closed. Being in the city as an adult for the first time, Honor wanted to see and do everything. And with Natasha at her side, she could. As Father stepped out to attend to his own business, Honor went to wake her new companion. Honor Tested The House of Bellevue Book 2 By L.C. Williams Narrated by Vivian Ferrari Chapter 1 Wager Tuesday, April 3rd Year 1894, Christos Reckoning. Metamore City. Capital, Imperial Union of Metamore and Allied Nations. For the first time in recent memory, Natasha woke feeling content and peaceful. There was an arm wrapped around her waist, the warmth and pressure of another body against her back. She felt safe, secure, like she had as a little child when she slept in her mother's arms. Of course, she was not a child anymore, and the body spooning against her was a good deal smaller than she. But it was still a lovely feeling, and she leaned into her companion's touch, savoring her presence. A gentle hand stroked up and down her belly, gradually nudging her into wakefulness. She took in a long, deep breath, then let it out in a happy sigh. Soft lips kissed her bare shoulder. Good morning, sleepyhead, 
Honor said, her tone light and playful. The sound of it made Natasha smile. She turned over to face the lady. Honor was watching her with those huge, gorgeous blue eyes, and her dark hair fell in loose curls around her shoulders. She wore a dressing gown of white linen, the front of which hung provocatively open to reveal the chemise underneath. Natasha was seized with a sudden desire to rip the garment off of her, but she restrained herself. For now. Instead, she leaned forward and kissed her gently on the lips, which Honor returned eagerly. This is good way to wake up, Natasha said, running her fingers through Honor's hair. Honor giggled. After what you did to poor Mabel, I thought I'd best use a gentler approach. Natasha frowned in puzzlement. Now that Honor mentioned it, she did have the vague memory of someone coming into the room. Yes, now she remembered. There had been a sudden stab of brilliant light in her eyes when someone had tried to pull the curtains open. She craned her neck to look back over her shoulder, saw the small pillow sitting on the floor next to the window. She turned back to Honor, shrugged. Is called throw pillow, da? What is it for if not for throwing? Honor laughed. <laughs> all the same, please don't make an enemy of Mabel, all right? You're going to be seeing rather a lot of each other. Natasha sobered at that, the memory of last night's conversation with Lord Bellevue coming back to her. Your father told you his plan, then. For me to be this lady's companion? Honor nodded. I'll admit, I was hesitant at first. I've had such a lovely time with you, and I am glad you're staying, but the role didn't seem like... Well, it will take some getting used to, I imagine. Natasha snorted. This is... what do you call it? Understatement. She reached out and took Honor's hand, interlaced her fingers with her own. But I am glad to be staying. I'm glad you are as well, Honor said. I'm excited to see the city with you. Natasha leered at her. And I am excited to see bedroom with you. She tugged Honor closer and kissed her again. Again, Honor returned the kiss readily. But when Natasha moved to roll on top of her, she broke it off, pressing one hand to Natasha's sternum. Her eyes avoided Natasha's, flicking downwards as she murmured, Butterfly. Immediately, Natasha let go of her and drew back. She pushed herself back against the headboard until she was sitting up in bed and crossed her legs in front of her. She was a little disappointed, of course, but she was also pleased with honor for using their safe word. She tried to let the latter show on her face instead of the former. What is it, little one? she asked gently. Honor sat up as well, her body half-turned toward Natasha's. She looked down at her hands, then up at Natasha, then back down again. She seemed to have trouble putting her thoughts into words. I want this, she said at last, the words coming slowly. But yesterday, and the day before, things happened so very fast between us. I don't regret it she added quickly, off of Natasha's look. Not at all, but this changes things. She gestured vaguely with one hand, 
taking in the room, the two of them, the whole situation. There's a great deal you need to learn about living in our world, and there are things I need to learn, too. About living in the city, about being Lady Honor, about having adult friends, yourself included. I just... I don't want it to be too much for either of us. She reached for Natasha's hand again, and Natasha gave it to her. I think we should slow down, get to know each other, learn who we are when we're not playing mistress and... and slave. Her blush deepened at the word. Does that make sense? Slowly, Natasha nodded. It did make sense. Given how strangely their relationship had started, it wasn't unreasonable to go back and fill in some of the steps they had missed. But she also thought about what Lord Bellevue had told her last night, how Honor's head tended to get in the way of her heart, and how fear might lead her to sabotage her own happiness. People always have two reasons for doing something, she thought. There is perfectly good reason, and then there is real reason. Was Honor stepping back because she wanted to know Natasha better, or because she was retreating to something safe? Natasha couldn't tell, but for the moment it didn't matter. Honor was not saying never, she was just saying not now. And as Natasha had promised her, the submissive always had the power to stop, to renegotiate, or to walk away. So she squeezed Honor's hand and smiled at her. The, this is good, she said. Thank you for telling me what you needed. It's very important, and I will listen, always. Honor gave her a firm nod in return. Good. Thank you. Their hands remained intertwined, and Honor was caressing the back of Natasha's hand with her thumb. Honor looked down, noticed this, cleared her throat, and somewhat awkwardly disengaged, pulling both of her hands into her lap. So, the kitchen is sending up breakfast for you, and then Mabel will be coming by to take your measurements so we can get you some proper clothes. Natasha got a sinking feeling in her stomach. I will have to wear dresses, I suppose. Afraid so, Honor said, smiling ruefully. At least when we're out and about town— if we go riding or hunting, we can switch to more rational clothes. But in society, we must dress you as gentry. There is this word again, Natasha muttered. What is gentry? Baron said something about father owning farm. That's right, Honor said. The gentry are the class of people below the peerage, the nobility, and above the common folk. The different provinces have different rules for who is in the gentry and who isn't. In Metamore, you have to be either a knight, a squire, a priest, or a member of a landholding family. Land is precious here. We don't have a lot of usable space, you see, what with the mountains and all. So most people rent their homes from one of the noble families. I see, Natasha said. She frowned. So if someone owns land... To you this means they are better sort of person. Honor looked suddenly uncomfortable. Well, I mean, it's not that common folk are worse, you know. They just, um, aren't as important? Goodness, that doesn't sound much better, does it? No, 
Natasha said flatly. My father owned his land, and I can tell you, he was complete mudak. This did not make him better than anyone. Honor looked down, squirming visibly. I don't make the rules, Natasha. I'm just explaining how things are. If we want you to be accepted as my companion, and I do very much, then we have to meet certain expectations. You have to look like... Like the sort of person a young lady should be associating with. She glanced up at Natasha, gave her a hopeful smile. Like you said yesterday, we're all just acting, playing parts, playing roles. If I can play the slave to your mistress, then maybe you can play the gentlewoman to my lady? Natasha sighed. She supposed, in the grand scheme of things, that this wasn't so much to ask. She'd had to follow new rules of conduct when she joined the army, too. New clothes to wear, new ways to think and speak and behave, a new hierarchy to follow. This was more annoying, perhaps, since it didn't seem to serve any purpose that she could tell, but it wouldn't be difficult. Certainly not as difficult as what she'd faced in Havain. And most importantly, it meant she could stay close to water. Very well, Natasha said, and smiled back at her. Where do we begin? Honor was pleased to note that Mabel's attitude had much improved by the time she returned after breakfast. Natasha apologized for the throw pillow incident, and the maid accepted this with good grace. Honor watched from the foot of Natasha's bed as Mabel took down her measurements in a little leather-bound notebook, then made some additional notes on suitable colors. For your complexion, miss, you'll be wanting mostly soft colors with cool undertones, Mabel explained. Her eyes narrowed critically as she looked her up and down. A bit of dusty rose, some mauve, some violet. All the blues will be stunning on you, of course. Periwinkle, cornflower, indigo, even royal blue and sapphire. For neutrals, I'm thinking taupe. Sand and chocolate. How does all that sound? Natasha looked mystified. It sounds like many words I do not know, she said. But I do like blue. And chocolate. She looked over at Honor. This means the food, huh? You do not wear food in clothes? She sounded dubious, as if she were unwilling to make any assumptions about the strangeness of the noble class. Honor grinned at her. In this case, it means the color of chocolate. Natasha's puzzled expression grew even more so. I thought this word was brown. Mabel made a soft, choking sound, which she covered by clearing her throat. That all sounds lovely. Thank you, Mabel, Honor said. Can you have a visiting dress ready for Miss Volkova this afternoon? We were hoping to go around to the Townsend residence for tea and then do a bit of sightseeing. Mabel gave her a pained expression, as if Honor had just asked her to fetch her the moon, if it weren't too much trouble. I... I suppose one of the shops on High Street might have something I can alter. Won't be anything fancy. That would be entirely acceptable, Honor assured her. Noble Alex is a friend, so there's no need for us to put on airs with them. Thank you, Mabel. You're a treasure. 
Mabel smiled at this, then curtsied to each of them and saw herself out. This is what Mabel does, Natasha asked when the maid had gone. She chooses your clothing for you? That, Honor agreed, and helps me dress, do my hair and makeup, and keep my chambers in order. A lady's maid is to a lady what a valet is to a gentleman. She looked back at the door where Mabel had left, smiling fondly. And she's been my confidant, my adviser, the only one who would tell me things that others might have wanted to keep from me. She's nosy and fussy and a bit silly sometimes, but I don't know what I'd do without her. In the corner of her eye, Honor saw Natasha nodding thoughtfully. She is like mother to you. A little chill settled over Honor's heart at the words. She frowned and looked away. I'm afraid I wouldn't know about that. She felt Natasha's weight settle on the mattress beside her. The big woman's arm snaked gently around her, held her close. Honor did not pull away, but she did not look at her either. I am sorry, Natasha said, her voice low. I did not mean to hurt you. Honor sighed. It shouldn't hurt. Honestly, I barely remember the woman. I don't know why I'm so sensitive about this. You have just become woman, Natasha said reasonably. She should have been there, and was not. But she leaves you gift, so now you are thinking of her. This is not so strange. Honor looked down at her lap. I suppose not. Natasha changed position so that she was behind Honor, her legs on either side of her. She was still wearing only her drawers and a light undershirt, and Honor could feel the warmth of her skin through the thin layers of fabric. Natasha wrapped both arms around Honor's belly and held her close. Honor leaned back into her, her head pillowed on the tall woman's breasts. She felt warm, safe, and comforted. Will you do something for me today? Natasha asked, after a while. Honor opened her eyes, looked up at her. Mm? When we go out, will you wear butterfly? Honor felt her eyebrows go up. You want me to wear my mother's amulet? Da. The possibly magic amulet that makes me have all sorts of wicked, dirty thoughts? Natasha grinned. Da. And you want me to wear it in public again? What, are you trying to torture me? Natasha bent down and kissed the side of Honor's neck, then whispered in her ear. When I torture you, she said, you will not need to ask if I am doing it. Honor shivered. A pulse of arousal ran from her ear, down through her whole body, and lit a fire between her legs. Her breath caught in her throat. I... I thought we were going to slow down, she said, her voice shaky. We are slowing down, Natasha agreed. I am not mistress now. You are not slave. This is just little game we play. So I know you are not forgetting about me. She reached up and traced one finger around one of Honor's stiff, erect nipples. Honor let out a mule of frustrated desire. Games have rules, she said. What? 
What do you propose? And wh what do I get if I win? Mm, these are good questions, Natasha mused, as she traced a line of kisses along Honor's shoulder and across the back of her neck. Let us say this. You keep necklace on all day until after dinner. You do not touch yourself down here. One finger traced out a triangle over Honor's mound. And do not ask anyone else to touch you there, either. And if you are good girl all day, then tonight I sleep in your bed and do whatever you ask of me. Honor swallowed hard. Anything I want? Anything, Natasha agreed. So long as it does not break rules I said yesterday. That was not much of a limit in Honor's opinion. She had no desire to play with blood, urine, or excrement either. And what happens if I lose? Natasha's grin turned wolfish. Then you sleep in my bed and do whatever I ask. Same rules. She continued her kisses around to the other side of Honor's face, then whispered in her ear again, her breath hot against her cheek. Is fun game either way, da? Honor moaned again in frustration. She could say no to the idea. Natasha would respect her wishes just as she had in everything else they had done together. She could tell Natasha that this was too much, that she didn't want to do it. But that would have been a lie. Natasha was right. It would be fun either way. At the end, at least, she was fairly certain the game itself would be torture, no matter what Natasha said. She imagined herself being bombarded with lurid sexual fantasies while she tried to have tea with Alex. Her cheeks grew hot at the mere idea of such humiliation. But another part of her was getting hot as well. She remembered the night of the ball, and that narcotic mixture of arousal and embarrassment that had filled her. Her mind dreaded it, but her body quivered with anticipation at the thought of feeling that way again. Gods help me. I am such a degenerate. Natasha's hands were stroking gently over her dressing gown, up to her breasts, then over her ribs and waist, down the length of her thighs and back again. What do you say, Lady Honor? Will you play this little game with me? Honor covered Natasha's hands with her own, stopping their motion. Then she stood up, stepping out of her embrace, and turned around to face her. She tried to keep her expression neutral as she looked her companion in the eyes. It must have worked, because she saw Natasha's expression cloud with uncertainty. Anything I want, Honor said again. No complaints. No argument. The big woman nodded gravely. I swear it. Honor narrowed her eyes and let her lips spread into a broad mischievous smile. She saw the faintest spark of trepidation in Natasha's wolf-gray eyes, and that made her smile even wider. She stepped forward, took Natasha's face gently in one small hand, bent down and kissed her. Very well, Miss Volkova. The game is on. And that's the end of chapter one. 
Come back next time when Honor and Natasha get their first look at Noble Alex's home. It's not like anything either of them were expecting. The House of Bellevue will be released over 51 weeks at a rate of one chapter per week. If you'd like to listen to it faster, all three books are available now on Amazon and Audible. To learn more about these characters and their world, please visit www.authorlcwilliams.com. Frank Herbert said, The gift of words is the gift of deception and illusion. So, let's take a look behind the magician's curtain, because it's time for the weekly writing report. This update covers the week of July 2nd through July 8th. I wrote 2,232 words this week, over the course of 2.5 hours, for an average writing speed of 893 words per hour. I wrote on 3 out of 7 days this week. This week I continued my development work on Maid of Honor, the next book in the House of Bellevue series. As I've mentioned previously, this book is going to take place against the background of the labor movement, and the struggles between the nobility and the working class. I'm still doing research on life at the turn of the last century, reading up on labor actions, industrial accidents, and the like. It was a tumultuous and eventful time in our world's history, and there are a lot of things for me to draw inspiration from as I flesh out the world of Metamor during the equivalent time period. One thing I've realized is that the early labor movement is closely tied to waves of human migration, which were triggered by political unrest, religious persecution, and ecological disaster in different parts of the world. These migrations unsettled established hierarchies and introduced new ideas into the political atmosphere. They also brought to Western cities a huge class of workers who were desperate to start a new life, and were thus vulnerable to exploitation by the capitalist class. As we look back on the sweatshops, coal mines, and child labor of the Industrial Age, or the massive labor strikes that were triggered by such abuses, it's impossible to separate those stories from the immigrant story. If I want the struggles of the Metamore working class to feel authentic, immigration has got to be part of it. Fortunately, this piece of Metamore history takes place right after a devastating world war, which is exactly the sort of event that can trigger these broad-scale migrations. One part of Metamore's world that was hit especially hard in the war was the continent of Fanshuar, which is the part of the setting that's the furthest removed from our real-world history. Fanshuar was colonized a few centuries ago by a combination of Arambians, Hanese, and Yamatoans, who mixed with each other and the surviving indigenous population to form a new ethnicity called the Shori. We've only seen a few Shori in my earlier stories. Yancy Takahashi, the Lightbringer forensic examiner from Things Unseen, is the one who got the most screen time. I always wanted to do more with them, though, and this seems like a good opportunity. A population of Shori war refugees who settled in Metamore would be an excellent stand-in for the Italian and Eastern European immigrants who came to turn-of-the-century New York. I spent some time this week fleshing out a Shori character named Sora Bono, who can serve as our window into this culture, and as a love interest for my new protagonist, Evelyn Vale. I've also decided to give Evie an immigrant connection— by making her the descendant of Yehudi migrants who fled religious persecution in Vyesharad a couple of generations earlier. 
In our world, German Jews went through something similar in the mid-1800s. By the turn of the century, they had become an established presence in New York, sometimes helping and sometimes clashing with the newer groups of immigrants from Eastern Europe. The experience of Evie's parents and grandparents has fueled her political activism, and it gives her a reason to distrust Natasha when they first meet. I'm all about giving characters an opportunity to change and grow. Keep an eye on my Patreon feed for more information about these characters and their world as I continue to flesh it out. If you'd like to share your thoughts about the show, send your feedback in text or audio to metamorecityfeedback at gmail.com. To leave a voicemail, dial area code 641-715-3900, then enter extension 255-082, followed by the pound sign. My Facebook is facebook.com slash author Chris Lester. The fan group is fans of Metamore City on Facebook, and our Discord server is Metamore City. I'm there pretty often, so come say hi. If you like this show, please consider leaving a review at Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or Podchaser.com. It really helps people find the show. That's all for this week. I'll be back next time with more fresh new fiction. Until then, keep it on the bright side. This is Chris Lester, signing out. The contents of this podcast are copyright 2022 by Chris Lester and Liminal Corvid Press. The show is released under a Creative Commons, attribution, non-commercial, no derivatives license. So don't change it, don't sell it, but feel free to share it all you like. For more information about this license, please visit creativecommons.org.